Do y'all believe in destiny? Y'all believe in destiny? This is the only picture I could find of a car that looks a lot like my father's. My father owns one of these, a 1963 Chevrolet convertible. I don't think this is a super sport, though. My dad, his is a super sport. A little difference, but um, same color, same interior, black interior. Daddy was... Uh, 1963, he was working in Dallas at the General Motors factory. Uh, when John F. Kennedy was killed, he was working on the line. They, they weren't supposed to have the radios on in these cars, and the cars were going down the line, but everybody turned the radios on, and they would work to the music as the music went down the line. And, and uh, the line stopped when the uh, man came on. Uh, Daddy remembers working on the line, putting in the back seats or something. I forget what he was putting in. But anyway... He bought one of these off the line in 1963 and drove it home. It was almost, I, I consider it, uh, the Bible teaches destiny. We're going to look at destiny tonight. It was almost destiny when he drove this home and he was driving through Alabama. And the only time it's ever been wrecked was when he was driving it home brand new. And he hit the back end of a truck, and the truck went on. I guess it didn't care. And he, it was before seat belts. It's a convertible, no seat belts, and he was, he was bleeding from his uh, head, bleeding from his head. It was almost destiny, though, because the reason he was coming home, and guys, you guys, you can understand this. Think about this, really, especially you guys that like to play golf, okay? My father's a really good golfer. He really is. And my uncle who lived in Texas, who my father was living with, said, listen, I'll, I'll buy you a car. I'll buy you food. I'll give you a place to live. All you've got to do is play golf. That's it. That's all I want you to do is play golf. How many of you guys would have took that at the age, ripe old age of 24? That would have been a good deal, wouldn't it? been a good deal. No. He drove this car through Alabama, had a wreck, came on back to Hornwall, Tennessee, and married my mother. Also, because it was my destiny to own the back seat of this car. That was my seat. I mean, I had the run of it. Nobody was around. It was my back seat. I sat back there with those arms. You know, you didn't have to have a seat belt on. You had to be in a car seat. I sat back there. I would crawl under, in this car right here, I would crawl under my daddy's feet while he was driving and play with the button, you know. You know the button that dimmed the lights? I would push that button with my hands underneath his feet while he was driving the car. Things have changed, haven't they? But when my daddy was working on that line in, in Texas... It was almost destiny that I would be carried home from the hospital in it. That each one of my sisters would be carried home from the hospital in it. That my daughters and son, one of the pictures in Peyton's rooms, him in the seat of this car, looking all cool, but he can't drive it. He can't drive a stick. My daughters are driven by my father, still today, 1963, 50-year-old car. 
You believe in destiny? The Bible teaches predestination. It does. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He, be, he has made us accepted in the Beloved. Here, the Bible teaches predestination or foreknowledge or literally predetermined. Something was predetermined. It was was decided beforehand. Before the world was formed, as we see, God decided who was going to be saved. Is it you? Is it you? Are are you the one that God decided was going to be saved? We're going to look closely at this passage and others this evening to understand the, the biblical teaching on predestination and where God predetermined not the identity of the saved, but the character of the saved. Now, yawn. I understand that. Yawn. That's just preacher speak, okay? It's a lot of preacher words there. A lot of boring words. For I'm going to show you that you need to be in the one true church tonight. That's where I'm going to show you you need to be. Here's why it matters to you, and it does. You have friends. You have family members who believe that before you were born, that this passage that we just read and others teach that it was already known if you personally would be saved or lost. And that you need to do things to to be saved to just, you know, in case maybe you were one of the saved. But if you are saved... It does not matter what you do. You cannot be lost. And if you were lost anyway, it does not matter what you do. You cannot be saved. It's all been predestined. God set this out before the foundation of the world. Your name's been written down, and if your name's there, you're saved. If it's not, you're lost. Only certain select have been chosen. And some say that you can pray this feeling into your heart. That you can pray really hard and that you'll know it because this feeling will come into your heart. This warm feeling will come over you and you'll know that you've been accepted by God then. And that there's nothing that you can do to lose it. You can, you can lie, you can kill, you can rape, you can steal. No matter. Once you're saved, it's unconditional, you're always saved. And once you're lost, you're always lost. Now, many say fate, destiny, it's set. There's nothing you can do about it. 
I'm not opposed to predestination. Because the Bible teaches predestination. But I am opposed to error. So let me show you what the Bible says. And you too can speak with authority on this subject. That has caused so many false doctrines and led so many down the wide road. Not because of what God's word says, but because of how man twists God's word to his own liking. Just a few scriptures is all it takes to bring those in the dark into the light. First, understand Acts chapter 10 verse 34 that God is no respecter of persons. Romans chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, for there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. You determine. You, you decide if you want to follow the, the predetermined way, the predestined way that God has set forth. You are free to move about your life. Certain Actions have certain reactions. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, that God judges each one without partiality according to each one's work. So during your stay here, fear God. Understand up front that God is no respecter of persons. God does not want anyone to perish, but He wants all each and every one of us to be saved. Will there be, will there be lost people at the end of time? Will there be damned people? Yes, the road is wide that goes to destruction. But Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 says, God desires all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God has lots of patience with us, Peter writes. He has lots of patience with us. He may be waiting on you right now to send Jesus back. He may be waiting on you to obey the gospel. I don't know the mind of God. Only God knows the mind of God. Only God knows when He's going to send Jesus Christ back with His angels and the trumpets in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know that time, but God does. And He may be waiting on you. He has lots of patience with us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent. The false doctrine of once saved, always saved can really be proven wrong by just using one verse. Here in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, if once I'm saved, I'm always saved, then the devil is of no threat to me. Why do I worry about the devil if once I'm saved, I'm always saved? Why does Peter tell me to worry about Satan if once I'm saved, I'm always saved? God is no respecter of persons. Neither is Satan. 
God does not want anyone to perish and the devil does not want anyone to be saved. Why would one follow any doctrine that muddled this water? Well, let's look at three passages of Scripture. Three specific passages of Scripture that clearly show us God's teaching on predestination. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And finally, we're going to break apart our beginning passage of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, or 1 through 6. Now, I must warn you, these passages are also used to prove that we don't have free will. These passages are also used to prove once saved, always saved. So we've really got to look at the passage and the context that the passage is set in so that we can understand what, God's, what God means. Our first passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, it states, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." The context shows that God, before time began, made something happen. It was a mystery. It's God's wisdom in a mystery. A mystery is something one doesn't know until it's revealed. God started His hidden mystery before the world began Notice, for our glory. So like Jesus, we could be glorified. And and if the Jews and the Romans, if they had known that they were crucifying Jesus Christ, if they had known the mystery, they wouldn't have done it. What is this mystery? Has it been revealed to us so that we can understand, we can have a grasp It's that mystery that that was set out before time began. What is the mystery and do we know it? Yes, we do. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He says he he, he was not a great speaker, verse 1. He said it in his mind, verse 2, knowing nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Why? Why? Well, Paul was like the Corinthians. He was human. He had human weaknesses. He had human fears. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. Paul is saying, it's it's not my wisdom. I know nothing but Christ and and Him crucified. It's it's not in my wisdom. It's not in the wisdom of men, but it's it's in the power of God. It's God's plan of redemption. It's God's power to save mankind. Not man's power to save man. Verse 5. But in the power of God. Now inspiration interprets inspiration. When we understand from Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. What's the power of God to save mankind? The power of God is the gospel. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It, ta- it states the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, that he, was, that he was seen, that He was touched. His teachings and, and blood, his, his love and His wisdom, all of that, all of these have been a mystery. But they were revealed to us. Even the prophets, they didn't fully understand they really didn't understand what was going on. They didn't understand what you can fully understand and fully obey. They longed to understand it. They wanted to. But you get to. This plan is now revealed as the wisdom of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of Men, but now it has been. Look here at First Peter chapter one verses ten through twelve. The, the Old Testament prophets. It says they searched carefully. They searched carefully, but this mystery was not revealed to them. Verse twelve. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached. The gospel to you. The, the, the mystery that angels long to know has been revealed to us. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That mystery, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How man can come to God through his son Jesus Christ. That has been revealed to us. The, the prophets didn't know it. The angels didn't know it. But you can know it and you can obey it. That's God's predestined plan. This plan was predetermined, was predestined before the foundations of the world. God set this in motion. This sacrifice was for our glory, for our salvation. And part of God's eternal purpose, it was, it was, his, it was his intent from the beginning. Ephesians chapter, chapter 3 verse 10, that his wisdom might be made known by whom? Wait for it. Who will his wisdom be named, made known by? The church. The church. The gospel. God's power to save all was a mystery, a predetermined mystery that has been revealed to all. God wants all to be saved. It's God's plan of salvation that 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 shows was foreordained or predestined It was foreordained or predestined, not the names of of particular individuals. It was through the church and the foolishness of preaching, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, that this plan would be revealed. Look at our second passage. Our second passage, Romans. A passage used here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, used, I, I warn you, to prove that only certain select individuals have been chosen to be saved, that evil or good, no matter what you do, you cannot change your destiny, you cannot change your fate. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're lost, you're lost, and only God knows. Even you don't know. There's no way you can be lost if you were chosen to, chosen to be saved, and there's no way you can be saved if you were chosen to be lost. There is no free will. 
on your part. Look at what Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30 actually says. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. Now, in the context of our passage, who is listed? Who, who is listed? Well, we've got God, of course, here, don't we? God's listed. And notice, and those who love God. So we've got God and those who love God listed in, the, in this passage. Not those who say they love God but really don't. Not the few who God loves. That's not what's said. It's God and those who love God. Truly love God. Those who are, notice, called. Those who are called according to His purpose. Now, how is one called? Some say that you're called by this still, mysterious voice that wells up inside you. And you just feel it. And this feeling comes over you. You you start tingling. And once you start tingling, you really know that the Spirit is inside you. But I have found no one to give me biblical basis for those thoughts. Some say by direct operation of the Holy Spirit. That's how. But there is no such passage in the Bible proves that some say God himself called me to follow called me to preach called me to get into sales called me to get into banking called me to fill in the blank let inspiration interpret inspiration Notice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14 notice how we're called we are called by The gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time you who have never obeyed the gospel, every time you walk in this door, I'm telling you the gospel and you're being called by it. Some of you don't want to hear. I'm not fussing. I'm just amazed. I'm amazed that you can hear it. Hear the truth and never obey. It's amazing. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the gospel. It was, it was, he was seen by hundreds, as we've already mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. God's power to save, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, is the gospel. Those who hear with understanding, those who believe and respond in obedience are referred to as the called. To the Galatians, Paul marveled, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, that the called were turning so quickly to a different gospel. 
Because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, the called are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Don't you want to be special? Don't you want to be one of his special people? Don't you want to be a, a part of royalty? Don't you want to be a priest? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you. Notice, you were called out of the darkness and into the light. That's what the gospel does for you if you obey it. Back to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. We see revealed the unfolding of God's plan. Paul is describing it to us. God decided before the world, to, world began to send a Savior to die for us. God predestined. He, he foreordained. He, he predetermined. He predecided all of the events that were needed before they actually took place. He set this plan in motion and He provided everything that it needed to work. God predestined our salvation in His power, His chosen power, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God did not select us individually to be saved or lost, but those who accept the gospel call would and will be saved. And those who do will follow the pattern set by the New Testament, like those on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Lord added these to the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, those that should be saved. Those who answer the call of the gospel are justified, as you see. They're, they're, they're glorified. Now, to the passage we started with. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 1 through 6, many use this passage to teach. I dare say it's being used by someone right now at this moment in Portland. That God decided the names of the individuals who will be saved and who will be lost. He's got, them written, he's got you written down by name. Whether you accept or reject salvation has no bearing. But let's break this passage down, look at its context, and look at the truth. That's not what this passage teaches. After a brief greeting in in verses 1 and 2, Paul starts praising God, verse 3, for the blessings, the blessings involving God, verses 4 through 6, the blessings involving Jesus, verses 7 through 12, the blessings involving the Holy Spirit, verses 13 through 14. But notice, and this is key, I want you to notice whom this letter is written to. Verse 1, the faithful in Christ is who this letter is written to. The faithful, keep that in mind, in Christ. Verse 3, another key point. God has blessed the faithful in Christ with every Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, notice where? In Christ. In Christ is where you get all the spiritual blessings. 
Verse 4, just as he chose, this word means to pick out. Just like you'd go to the store and you'd pick out an outfit or you'd pick out a shirt or you'd pick out some socks. Okay, that, what, That's what this word means. This word means to pick out just as he chose us in him. He picked us out where? In him. Jesus Christ. Him who? Christ. Those in Christ are the chosen. When? Look, when? Before the foundation of the world, before the world was even created, God made His choice. God made His election. And we who are in Christ, we who are in His body, the church, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22, Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, of which Jesus is the head, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, the body of Christ, the church as a whole, those in Christ God chose for salvation. You need to be in the body. You need to be in the church. You need to be in Christ. I'm saying the same thing. God chose those in the church, in the body, in Christ. Chose them for salvation, called by the gospel into Christ. Christ is the last sacrifice, the Hebrew writer said. He's the last sacrifice that's ever going to be made. There are going to be no more sacrifices. That is final and that's unconditional. But as individuals, we must make our calling and election sure. Second Peter chapter 1 Verse 10, why? Look at verse 4. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. In Christ, in love. God's goal here, His purpose, was to produce people in Christ, to produce Christians who would be holy, who would be, who would be set apart for His special purpose. Now, the question is, are you fulfilling your special purpose? Do you know what your special purpose is? That's another lesson for another time, perhaps. Those in Christ, verse 4, were chosen to be holy, without blame, in love, in Christ, when we are God's chosen people, verse 5, having predestined us, decided beforehand. Who did God decide beforehand? Who did God predestine? Verse 5, look at it. Us. Who is the us? We'll go back to verse 1. The faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, those in Christ. Verse 4, chosen in Christ. Verse 5, those having been predestined as sons. Children of God the Father. By whom? Jesus Christ. Paul reveals that which had been predetermined beforehand. That the church, all those who are saved and in the body, would be adopted into the family of God. Why? Look at verse 5. 
according to the good pleasure of his will. Did you get that? Why did God do all this? Verse 5, God did all this before the foundation of the world. Why? Simply because he wanted to. God wanted to. He wants you to be saved. He does not want you to be lost anymore. The most powerful being in the universe wants you. Does he need you? No. God doesn't need you. He can do anything he wants without you. He can do anything he wants without me. The gospel call will keep calling people long after I'm dead. so badly want you to be his child, to be his adopted son, to be his adopted daughter, to be a prince, a princess of the king. He so wants very badly for you to obey him. And not just obey him in the waters of baptism, to continue to obey him, to work in his kingdom. Our reaction to this wonderful news of what God has done for us should be verse 6. Look at verse 6. To praise the glory of His grace, notice, by which He made us what? Accepted where? In the Beloved, in Jesus Christ. If you want to be accepted, and so many people are looking for acceptance in our world today, if you really want to be accepted, God will accept you. In Jesus Christ. Accepted means to be highly favored. How are we highly favored? Notice, wait for it. In the beloved, in Christ. So look at recapping. Verse 3, all the blessings are in Christ. Verse 4, the chosen are in Christ. Verse 5, the predestined are adopted and are in Christ. Verse 6, the accepted are in Christ. If you want to, all the blessings, if you want to be part of a, of a chosen people, an adopted family member, to be accepted by God, you must be in Christ. Skip down to verse 11. In Him, in Him, in Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, here's the big question. The big question this evening. Are you in Christ? If you want all the blessings, if you want all the acceptance, if you want to be in the family, well, you've got to be in Christ. We've seen that. That's God's plan that He predestined since the foundation of the world. His church... His body of people are His predestined vehicle to go to heaven. And if you want to ride, you better get in. If I asked for a show of hands, if I asked for a show of hands, Jesus Christ came back right now. 
would you go to heaven? You can know.